I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Servcast, Mobile Serve's Canadian tech-focused podcast. I'm Patrick O'Rourke and Brad Bennett, a man who refers to himself as the bad boy of tech. He's across the internet from me. He's He looks like a Super Nintendo game because Zencaster <laughs> pixelated him, but he's here and I'm assuming he's, he's talking. Yeah, I actually feel like the broke boy of tech this week with the new uh, MacBooks that came out, but you know, we'll talk about it. We'll get there. That's that's a good line. I like that. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> And John is also on the podcast with us again today. What's good, John? I'm back. I'm alive, surprisingly, after this week. I mean, oh, it's just such a nuts week in, in the tech world, but it, it is Techtober after all. So, like, what do you expect? It's not even over yet. It's not over yet. When you hear this, it will be over. But right now, yeah. it's not over. <laughs> I'm still I'm still living through it. Yeah. So that, that's probably a good place to kind of add, add a little like note here. Um, this podcast is focused on Apple's new MacBook Pro, the third gen uh, AirPods, and Google's Pixel 6 and Pixel 6 Pro. There's also a Samsung event that just happened. Nothing really super eventful, like a, a new custom version of the uh, the Z Flip 3, I believe. And then there's a Huawei event on Thursday, but we're, we're not going to be talking about those. This is an exclusively Google and an Apple podcast. We're also skipping some of the segments this week um, based on feedback from some of the listeners. We are just going to like go right into the meat of the show. We'll bring those back sometimes when there's a little less to talk about, but this is a pretty packed episode and we want to make sure that we have the time to talk about everything. Um, so yeah, we can get into it right now. The first thing worth mentioning is at Apple's event on Monday. Um, it was a pretty... It was an exciting event, but also really only highlighted two products. So we're going to talk about the first one. That is the new MacBook Pro, the 14.1 inch and 16.1 inch. I'll, I'll just like go through high level some of the specs. Minimize bezels, 120 hertz screen, a notch, which was kind of hilarious because I really, really didn't think that Apple was going to do that. And then it 100% did. Uh, battery life improvements, maybe. A new chip, upgraded version of the standard M1, the M1 Pro, um, and the M1 Max. Interesting naming convention. I'm sure we'll talk about that too. Three yeah. USB-C Thunderbolt 4 ports, an SD card slot, and Woo. MagSafe. I think before we get into this, the discussion, two things that I want to note. These things are very, very expensive. $2,499 for just the 14.1, and the 16.1 is $3,139, which is like a crappy used car like that's a ton of money for a laptop um and then on top of that to me as someone who's like covered the mac for like a decade now i guess that's scary to think of and i reviewed the original like not the original but the last revamp this is like one of the few examples that i can recall in apple's history where the company is really 
listening to feedback in a way. Like I know that there's no USB-A ports. It's still USB-C. I think the world's in a very different place in terms of USB-C adoption than it was back in like 2016 when the last MacBook Pro refresh happened. Yeah. But there is an SD card slot and there's MagSafe, right? Like that is a big deal that Apple brought those things back. Um, it's huge. And I guess it's we can just... just like, yeah, go ahead. Did, did Johnny I Was Johnny Ive like ruining Apple products secretly? Was he just making them prettier and less functional? And like, we just all went along with it. We're like, no, they're going to get thinner and lighter. And that's the way things go. And we all just were like, okay with that because we wanted thinner and lighter things. Uh, maybe maybe because Johnny Ive was telling us that, but now he left and we're getting like thicker things with more ports and everyone's like, maybe this is what I wanted. No, I, yeah. I think like I was, I tweeted about this. Like I a hundred percent think that that's what happened, right? Like, yeah. I think that at Apple, there is this push to try to reinvent the concept of the laptop and with, like with the touch bar, the touch bar is gone. That's another thing that I didn't mention in the intro. Like, Oh yeah. I, I, re I remember when the touch bar was revealed, I wasn't as negative about it as other people. Like I thought it was a cool idea in theory. Yeah, potential in theory. for sure. I'm sure I wrote an editorial, like if you Google my name and touch bar, there's probably something on mobile surf about like, oh, the touch bar is sick and it could be great, something like that. But it never panned out and it never Classic worked headline. and it froze all the time and it just straight up sucked. But I, I do think you're right, Bennett. Like there is, there's got to be some level of truth to that where like he was all about making things thinner, removing ports, <laughs> the touch simplifying bar. Simplifying things. Yeah, simplifying, like... yeah. It's and it's not necessarily like Apple's lost that design ethos, but it seems like yeah they've sort of stepped away from that endless crusade to the portless device. You know what I mean? Like I think I mean t talking back like to things we wrote a year ago. Like I think a year ago, I don't know. Sometime randomly, I published this post about this theory of Apple moving towards like a portless iPhone, and you know the slow degrad degradation of ports across all the devices, just pushing people towards USB-C and then pushing people towards wireless standards and like finding new ways for connection through necessity because that's the devices we had. And now like that whole sort of theory has gone to shit because it's like, oh, whoops, no. They uh, stopped on that track and now they're just giving people like the tools they need to get work done, which is better for everyone. Uh, but an inter interesting design shift, nonetheless. Like I'm sure there's going to be like a lot of medium think pieces on this that are going to be well worth reading if you care about like ultra nerdy Apple theories, Apple strategy. I I think also there's an element of Apple recognizing who's actually using their different devices and yeah. tailoring those devices for those users, right? So. Part of the issue with the ports on on previous MacBook Pros is that professionals need a lot of ports to do their job, right? Whether it's connecting additional monitors to their laptop, connecting cameras or other hardware, like people actually use those ports. And so, you know, as, as great as it is to push towards a low port laptop, that's a lot simpler and easier to use is it alienates you know, the, the professional uh, users who are going to buy that laptop because it's great for video editing or, or whatever other feature that they're, they're going to use for their, for their job. Um, so I think it's kind of a sign that Apple's starting to recognize to, to an extent, I don't think they're fully there yet, but they're starting to recognize, Hey, you know, the people who buy the MacBook pro are actual 
professionals who need XYZ port or need, you know, whatever hardware in, in their laptop. And so I'm, I'm hoping this is a sign that Apple's moving away from using pro as a, as a marketing term for like, oh, this device is just better. So we're going to call it pro the and like actually, one. you know, this MacBook is for professional users, right? Yeah, maybe. I mean, that's the kind of way that this leans and this kind of like falls more into the camp with the Mac Pro, like the cheese grater guy. Um, so it's like both of these seem, you know, leaning towards those really like higher end professionals if you need them to. Um, but since the 13 inch Pro is still like involved, it's hard to to know if they're going to like step away from that for sure. Do I you just want to run down. 13 inch. So you go so, past. So we, no, you just said what you're going to say. I was just going to say, I, I kind of feel like the 13 inch is going to disappear at some point in the next like two years or so. Like, I think it's just going to be like scuttled and it'll disappear after an Apple event. Um, I get to yeah, that. The next say? MacBook Air has like an M2 processor or does that like next spec bump that way? Maybe the need for the Pro goes away. Um, but I was going to say, do you guys want to run down the specs and just say how we sort of feel about the new changes? Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, want to start with the notch? <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Uh, so I, I was tweeting about this and like legitimately saying that I just didn't see, it didn't make, it doesn't make sense. It still doesn't make sense to me. I think if it was going to include face ID, which yeah, exactly. it does, it does not nope. maybe face ID, maybe the hardware is in there or something. I don't know. And it's going to come in a Mac OS update. I really don't see that happening. Yeah. I would have been like, okay, face ID is pretty good, especially in the context of like a laptop. I would be okay with it. Man, Windows but Hello the is notch awesome. Is, uh, yeah. Like, just opening is a laptop. Is it actually awesome or are you being sarcastic? I know. I'm, I'm, I legit love it. Like this surface that I'm talking through on right now has it. And like it just sits on my desk and I just whoop, open it, logged in every time. Yeah. Yes. Windows Hello is actually really, really nice. A lot of Windows laptops now have a almost like a motion sensor type thing where if you walk away from the laptop and you don't close it, it'll turn off the screen and it'll lock itself. And then when you come back, It'll sense that you're there and it'll kick on the camera, recognize your face and unlock for you with like, that's cool. Almost no interaction. Yeah, uh, it's so like it's a really smarter, cool. It's really handy. It's like, um, or no smarter, but a more natural version of like face idea. Cause with a phone, you still need to pick up the phone and hold it in front of your face. With a computer is like, you just kind of sit down or just open it as you would, you know, cause you have to do that action anyway. And it just sort of unlocks on the way. It's really great. Yeah. The notch is perplexing. I don't, understand why it's there i know we're going to see all kinds of hacks that basically remove it from the equation in the context of a smartphone i've just grown to live with it like i forget that it's there i really don't even notice it in the iphones anymore and i think that'll probably happen here but i'm not i'm not sure it's going to be interesting it seems just like obnoxiously big for what it's housing like i feel like the notch only needs to be like half as big as it just seems weird i mean whatever maybe it does need all that space but you know weird weird yeah. weird notch just you know it i agree that it's like seems super big i also wonder why apple hasn't done like a hole punch cutout on any of their yeah. devices yet like it's always I would look a, a lot better on a laptop is so uh, unnoticeable and also and i don't know if this would be the same on mac uh, i'm mostly a windows user but i just like trying to picture a notch or a hole punch ca- camera cutout on my Windows PC just would seem super strange because it would like yeah. 
I know you can you move your windows and your apps all over the place. And wouldn't it cut into those things? Like yeah. on a phone, you're always going to have your status bar at the top. So there's kind of like, you don't have well, to you, worry about the notch you have that on affecting Mac. your apps. Uh, that's true. You do have the... the what it, in in the screenshots bar. that I've seen, it almost looks like the notch cuts into like... Like if you're using Safari or whatever, it cuts into like the top half of the window. And I, I like, I just can't like, that's one of the things when I get my hands on it later this week, I'm excited to play around with because I just can't fathom how that would not be an awful experience. But I mean, yeah, moving on from the notch, there's stuff like, like the fact the that batteries, yeah, the ba- battery next. But the one thing I wanted to mention was 14. I'm just going to call it 14 and 16 inches. I know it's, yeah, no, of course. I'm, tired of, I'm tired of saying point one, but fitting a 14 inch laptop like display inside the same body as the the 13 inch i think that's cool i think the bezels on the old mac quite the same though have you done the measurements i was under the impression that it wasn't quite or not quite just a tiny bit bigger it's supposed to be pretty much the same like not noticeable um in the same way like when the iphone changes and it's like a couple millimeters bigger or something like that it's it's not like a significant difference so that's cool 16 inch is definitely not for me that's too big but i am glad that they offer that as a as an option um you, you were talking about battery life right bennett well but one thing i was just wanted to ah, the one last thing i want to say about the size is uh how do you feel about them being or not how do you, i don't know what the correlation is between the old 16 and the new 16 but the 14 is half a pound heavier than the 13 thoughts care to comment <laughs> I, don't I don't know i don't think it'll I, be that much in practice but it's tough to see more on battery, paper it sounds like a lot yeah yeah it does it does thinking. that's right but it's also supposed to be a tiny bit thinner. So it might be, I'm kind of, and this is like me, like making Apple fanboy justifications, but I guess I'm going to say it now. But um, I'm kind of hoping that it's like supposed to be roughly the same size, a little thinner, but a little heavier. And I'm kind of hoping that will just make it feel really compact and like really nice. You know, when things kind of do that, it like it feels really like built. I know what you mean. So I'm wondering if maybe it'll give off that impression because it's the extra weight in the same small footprint, but we will have to see. Um, but yeah, moving on to battery. So the 14 has less battery than the 13, but the 16 has more battery than the old 16. That's where it's like, yeah, the longest MacBook battery ever compared to 16 inches. But in the 13 inch realm, if you were to get the 13 inch M1, you're getting better battery life potential than the 14 inch M1 Pro or M1 Max. I, I never buy Apple's battery life claims because they're based on no, like yeah. using their, their own software, right? Like using Final Cut or... Safari and I, I use Apple devices. I'm primarily an Apple user, as I've talked about a bazillion times on this podcast. But I live in like a like a Google world, or like like I use Edge. Edge is my primary browser, like because I, I really don't like Safari. I use Google services. I use Photoshop. I use Premiere. I use Edition. I don't use Apple software. So my experience when it comes to battery life is always vastly different than what Apple claims. I would expect. I think like this is just my gut reaction. Like I don't know if it's going to be, this is how it's going to play out. My guess is that the both both the sixteen and the fourteen, the battery life is going to be well, not the sixteen because it's going it's jumping to the M one, but at least in the context of the fourteen, it's going to be very similar to uh, the thirteen inch M one from last year. If not, I'm, I'm interested. I'm interested to see how it actually plays out because the the fourteen has the new M one Pro chip, right? They, can they both can or. be configured yeah. with the Pro or the Max. Okay. So 
regardless of whether you go with the pro or the max the both of those ships are significantly more powerful than the yep. m1 chip that's a good point which also means that they're going to use more power i'm not sure how much because it's of the arm architecture which is already pretty power efficient but i'm they definitely kind of interested to see event like when they were showing the graphs it was like kind of the m1 stuff was here and it's like the m1 pro max was like higher more power but more power consumption still not as much as like the intel cpus but sort of Mm -hmm. more in the middle ground between them a little bit but yeah i'm just what i'm saying is i'm interested to see how that's going to impact the battery life especially Mm -hmm. if the 14 inch has a smaller battery than uh the m1 macbook pro the 13 inch m1 macbook pro because the the M1 Pro or the M1 Max, whichever chip you use, both of them are going to be more power hungry than the M1. Um, yeah, it, it'll which be interesting will to probably see, lead to worse battery life. It'll be interesting to see if there's a difference between the Pro and the Max chips in terms of battery life, because that's sort of like, I mean, this is all kind of theorizing because like I don't really have that be. much money to spend, but like when you're looking at them, it's like, oh, like is the best sweet spot to buy like the cheapest pro or m1 max chip in the 14 or is it fine to just get no, like i know the, what you mean you know what i mean like do you bump that chip up because then you get like the faster transfer speeds if you need them which is like probably not like 200 gigabytes to 400 gigabytes it's like, eh, that's probably not going to like affect me too much but well you know, so that, that's a the good, difference is a that way work. what what like when we were looking like when you look at twitter and like every youtuber ever was buying like buying this laptop yesterday and like posting how much it cost what was the one that you guys saw people buying the most for me like i saw people buying it like a max 16 inch right which is like you're <laughs> like in the five plus grand territory but in my head like the average person's just gonna buy the the low level 14 but maybe i'm wrong about that it's tough yeah the tough part about the low level 14 is it's still like an eight core cpu so as, as much as you're still like getting a lot of GPU improvements over the M1 chips, it doesn't, I mean, on paper, it doesn't look like that much of a jump. That's where I'm like interested to see if the improvement is as like incredible as they say. Because that's like, it seems like that's when they bend all the way down. Like, you know how we, I'll talk about like the pixel bending thing on the 7 core MacBook Air. Um, not pixel so binning, chip binning. Chip binning, right? Yeah, yeah. pixel binning is for the camera. <laughs> pixel binning. That'd be so funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like, so it seems like, you know, there there are quite a few like binned all the way down options. Like they showed up on stage that there were like three different options. But when you go to buy them, I think there's like five or six different chip sort of setups um, with different like, you know, variations on the GPU, CPU. Like there's like a 16 or a 24 core GPU one they didn't talk about on stage. Um, yeah, I think I think the other thing worth mentioning before we move on to the, the AirPods is like, and, and John, like I see you have this in the notes so maybe we'll get you to talk about it like in a way this isn't a, a new it, it's like apple just correcting the mistakes that it made with the the 2016 refresh right yeah. um so we're seeing like USB-C, thunderbolt four ports uh and there's there's three of them this time uh and you don't have to pay a premium to have extra ports just every single version of the laptop has three which is great the m1 from last year which i'm doing this podcast from only has two and they're on the left-hand side of the laptop, and my monitor is so on the bad. right-hand side. So I have this it's wacky setup where the cords like curl around it. So I'm I'm thrilled that that's no longer an issue. Um, and I like I love that the SD card slot's coming coming back because I hate having to plug a dongle in every time. I do have a dock that has a it's the, the Caldigit dock that has like an SD card slot in it. 
but at events like it sucked to have to like bring an sd card reader plug it in pop the card like it was just dumb it just felt really stupid um and then magsafe like too yeah also and you're you're easy gotta buy another sd card reader totally i had a backup like like, yeah like i i would like have one that was in one part of my backpack and then another one that was like locked away in another compartment just in case something happened to the other one and that happened like in multiple situations where like I just lost one of them and I was lucky that I had another one. So I'm, I'm thrilled. I won't have to deal with that anymore. <laughs> and then MagSafe, it was uh, like, it didn't make sense to me that they got rid of it to begin with, with the, the 2016. Cause it was, a, w- there's a lot of things to like about Apple's laptops, but that was like one of the very unique things, at least at the time. Like I know that the surface connector is very similar. Am I wrong about that, John? Yeah, it's pretty much the same. Yeah. It's, it's similar. It's all like a, ma- it's magnetic, like a so. magnetic thing. Okay. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm glad that's back as well. It didn't make sense that they got rid of it. Um, I think it's cool technology, but like generally speaking, I don't know. I saw people saying like, this is like Apple saying sorry for the 2016 MacBook. You know what I mean? Like that's really what this feels like to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, do you actually, are you actually happy about MagSafe? Or, sorry. Are you actually happy about MagSafe or like, would you have rathered a fourth USB-C port? I think I would have rathered the fourth USB-C port. To be honest, I can see myself traveling without the MagSafe charger just because everything else is charged in USB-C. I like I that, that, like, two-charger life. When, like, you know. that, Yeah, that is a good point. Um, but the other thing is, ma- by having MagSafe power, you are freeing up an extra USB-C port. No, but I think I think in my mind you in would, the alternative universe, you the MagSafe would have been a USB C port had it not yeah. been on the computer. Like it would have been just two yeah. on each side like they did in the past. No, I I get what you're saying. For me, like as long as there's I actually don't know the port layout. I'm assuming there's two on one side and one on the other side. As long yeah. as that's how it works, like I'm fine with it. As long as I have one port on the other side, that's a, a perfect setup for me. But I I know what you mean. I do think that that's a smart move on Apple's part to at least allow USB-C charging through any of the ports. That would have been like a very Apple yeah, thing. Yeah, there do. would have been a backlash. There would have been such an Apple thing to do, though. You're right. Like, yeah, but that, kind of that's expecting that. But that's yeah. that's the way they used. To, they still operate like that, but we're seeing like a bit of a shift in the company after Johnny I have left. I think there's something to that to some extent, but that's what they would have done. They would have been like, you have to use MagSafe. It's great. It's the greatest thing of all time. It's lovely. Yeah, it's the best cord that's need... ever been invented. Yeah, you don't use need it. to use USB-C. Stop complaining. <laughs> um, but yeah, we should start talking about the AirPods. Is there anything else anyone wanted what, to mention about yeah, the Yeah, one, one thing before we move on. Go for Do it. Do the new Macs come with a MagSafe charger in the box? Yeah, uh, they the do, sold but they come with the charger in the box, but the base model is a slower charger than the more expensive models. If you get the chip binned model with the eight core CPU, you're only yeah, getting like a 67 watt charger. And then it goes up to like 96 watts for the top end 14. And then what's like over a hundred something watts for the 16. Like I wrote about it yesterday. Keep, keep talking while I try to open it. Cause I don't remember. I think it's uh, charger, charger, watts. chargers. But yeah, basically there are three different chargers. You do get one in the box and it is like a nice braided MagSafe cable. Like it looks high quality. And this time That's the good. cable uh, disconnects from the brick. So like if you 140 get 140 fr- watts, Nice. If you get that like frayed end to the cable, because it's like the charger you've been using for four years, you can replace that section, which is a pretty smart move on Apple's 
part although it'll probably be like still expensive to replace that section but you know hopefully less than having to buy those like 200 hundred dollar chargers they used to sell in the past yeah um, okay so, you know, that's it, good it's, Cause yeah that would have been totally but... another apple thing to do to just be like hey 100%. we're not including the charger in the box to save the environment uh but <laughs> also <laughs> it's really a new charger, to save money so... <laughs> yeah it's um, like the whole thing is in my mind with that argument if you actually want to like help the environment give people the option like that seems to be the best way to do it like if you buy a new mac what samsung does, or a new iphone or something you get like a $30 credit to buy a new charger if you need yeah. the new charger, right? Yeah. Um, so one of the things, trade in your old charger or something. One of the things I, I, don't know. I realized, about, and this is more of a cost saving rather than like an environmental saving metric, but like uh, Fujifilm recently did this with the X-T3. Like they're still selling my camera, but like it's older now. So they just started selling it as like universal worldwide model and the only thing they changed is they took the charger out of the box because like oh cool there are different like plugs around the world so they would have to like you know make different boxes and ship them and do all the logistics and like simplify their logistics to not have chargers because then that any box could go anywhere around the world but for the most part i mean obviously actually yeah because even the fuji boxes on the outside just say like xt3 and then the lens like they're blank you know so like they're very that could, you know, that's a reason for the charger not being in there. Not that I'm with it. I think things should come with chargers, especially laptops. I don't know where we're going, but yeah, it was an interesting thing I learned the other day. We got to talk uh, cameras at some point because I I need a new camera. My Linux G85 is oh, wait, like five actually, years old at this point. Yeah, I don't know what I'm holding. I have an action camera. I, I can only see a section of my screen in Zencaster, so I may have been holding it on screen. <laughs> I, I think you know. were. I think you were. Like, I could see it out of the corner um i've got yeah, a cool camera talk. yeah that's it <laughs> moving on <laughs> let's talk about the airpods I'll, I'll do like a high level thing and then throw it to you bennett cool. um new design third gen version of the i guess you would call them entry level airpods they look a lot like the airpods pro they don't have an ear tip on them in the in, in our notes i wrote eat tip which is pretty funny uh, uh there's no noise tip. cancellations there's ipx4 water resistance head tracking supposedly better sound a skin sensor, likely better mics, and better battery life, and MagSafe. Did I miss anything there? Uh, there's the adaptive EQ thing, which they're sort of touting, although that kind of works with the better sound. That I think that's how they're providing the better sound. True, true. Um, oh, also, on the they're not touch. Before, they were like little touch pads to play yeah, pause, and, and now it's like it's a little the, stem you squeeze. It's the same it, as the yeah. pros, right? Like the little, I don't have the pros in my ear, but the, the like little stem that you touch, right? Yeah, you just like squeeze it. Beep. Um, and then I think that's it. I think that's pretty much it for what they're, oh, two, $239 price in Canada. Did we say that? Oh, also you said they're the new entry level AirPods, but Apple is still selling the old oh, AirPods okay. for 179 without the wireless the second charging gen case. One. The sec, it looks like the second gen AirPods in the first gen non-wireless charging case. Interesting. Um, for like 179. So like they kind of bumped that down in the way that they've like bumped the iPhone 11 down to that sort of entry. So I think that's what's happening. So these are like the mid-level AirPods now. I don't know. I don't know how so, to describe it. So to me, like, okay, so this doesn't seem like that significant of an upgrade um, to the AirPods. If someone owned like the second gen AirPods or the first gen AirPods, is this enough in your mind, Bennett, to like warrant an actual upgrade? Like to me, they sound like the AirPods Pro, which I should talk about this at some point. Like I've had tons of issues with them like on my yeah 
third, like I'm sending my AirPods back to Apple to get fixed again. I think this is the third time. The noise canceling always runs into some sort of an issue and I get like weird static. Totally other thing we should talk about at some point on the podcast. But like, is this a worthwhile upgrade for someone who owns like an earlier version of the AirPods? Or is this just like Apple hitting refresh on them and it doesn't really matter any of these new features? Um, I don't really think so because, well, A, like the limitations of Bluetooth audio mean that like you're never going to be getting the crispest, clearest sound ever possible through Bluetooth. You know, it's just like not the best medium for carrying sound But waves. you're the only person who cares about that. <laughs> exactly like people don't really care about that but like so what i'm saying is like bluetooth no that's what i mean like bluetooth audio like kind of levels the playing field yeah, yeah wireless headphones so between newer and older headphones there's less of a space to reach up although who knows it's never gonna apple, be that much better yeah sometimes apple can make magic okay, happen and enough. maybe adaptive eq or these new sound things you're talking about will make it sound a lot better but then on top of that regular airpods don't use silicone tips so they don't like sit that snugly in your ears and which is good. A lot of people find that really comfortable. I, I'm one of them. I think lots of people like just like sort of hook them in. They feel more clean, you know, yeah, not getting me too. slimy tip. Like they're comfortable. There's no denying that, but there's less sound isolation. So you're hearing more background noise, thus degrading the sound another level. You know what I mean? Like as far as AirPods go, you were never getting a very premium sound. So unless Apple's done something quite extraordinary with this like adaptive EQ technology to like not exactly noise cancel the sound, but to just really work around the sound to like match it into your ears is kind of what they're talking about. So unless there's something really magical with that, I don't think it's going to be a worthwhile upgrade just, you know, because, you know, no one's really getting AirPods for the sound quality. You're getting them because they automatically connect with your Apple devices. They automatically pause and you take them out of your ears. They're very small. They're very portable. And, you know, these new AirPods are doing that just as well as the old AirPods. I think the thing why they kind of interest me a little bit is I have um, like a like a latex allergy where there's a lot of uh, wireless earbuds that have like latex tips on them that just cause yeah. ear infections. Like I had mid-pandemic, really? I had like an awful ear infection and I don't really review wireless earbuds anymore because of that. So mm -hmm. like the fact that they just sit in your ears, like the Galaxy Buds Live, which I'm wearing right now, which I still say are my favorite wireless earbuds, not because they sound great, not because they have like really good noise canceling, but because they're comfortable. Like that's something yeah. that I, I like because I have that problem. But even before that, like I place as one of the most important features with wireless earbuds is how comfortable they are to wear for like six, seven hours a day. If I like really want to listen to something in like super high quality, I'll throw on like a pair of over ear headphones because the quality of earbuds is just never going to compare to those, whether it's like wired or, bluetooth yeah. or whatever it's just never well, going to be even close might, not that they never might you know like down the line we get like bluetooth 10 or something we might sure. be getting like better but you know yeah for the time being it's 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 a little flatter than what you can get through a cable one thing i will say is i'm kind of on the same vein of that and i actually think i threw this out i was thinking last night but i used to have a sticky note on the wall and it just said may the smallest wireless headphones rule them all you know may the most <laughs> convenient like w sort of what it comes down to is like whatever headphone i'm reviewing I'll, I have them all in like a bucket there by the door. Like my back door is right outside this office door. So like all my thing, like I have a drawer full there. But whenever I'm leaving, I literally will just grab the smallest pair. And that is like whatever I go for, whatever, whoever has the smallest pair at the time is what I find myself gravitating towards because nice. like, I just takes up the less space in my pocket, less space in my ears. I can like lay down on the side with them in my ear without them like pushing in and like being uncomfortable. Like the smallest, most convenient pair wins because sound quality be damned they're just bluetooth headphones you know 
that being said, it, the AirPods might not be the smallest, but that automatically connection feature and being able to move between Apple devices is really killer if you have a lot of Apple devices. So not. Well, I was going to mention before. like so the Buds Live I use daily with um, like when we're doing meetings. I sometimes Your use MacBook. my AirPods Pro Max that are back there, but very rarely. Uh, but one of my issues with them is because they're not an Apple product, they're a Samsung product, obviously, they don't easily connect to other devices, right? So they instantly connect because I have them set up to work with my Mac, like I put them in and they connect. But if I want to like, I don't know, go for a run or go for a walk or something, and I want to take these with them with me, I have to like, make my Mac forget them. Um, and then go through the whole like manual reconnection process to get them to connect to my iPhone. So there is something to be said about that con convenience because I, I do like, even though I have like that, like allergy, I did find myself using the AirPods Pro pretty frequently. And that's part of why like I, they're in a box right now on their way to Apple to get, to get fixed. Thanks. I think they just have a replacement program. They'll just send me new ones um, because like I could just walk out the door with them, connect them and they would work. I wouldn't have to go through all this like crap to make them run. So like, yeah. In the context of wireless earbuds, convenience, I think, is still king. Convenience and comfort. Yeah, you don't want something with, like, a bad mic or bad music quality, but everything kind of is plateauing at a certain point. So now convenience is just sort of proving to be the most thing that, when you get to that point, what matters. Sorry, John, yeah. what were you going to say? I didn't mean to interrupt. I was, I was just going to jump on and say that uh, I agree. Convenience and comfort are the two most important factors for me. Um, I don't have a lot of experience with earbuds because I've basically just used the Microsoft Surface Buds since they came out and not really anything else. And I love the Surface Buds. They sound great. I think they're super overpriced still. They're like more expensive mm -hmm. than the AirPods, which doesn't make any yeah, sense. Yeah, they're like and three something, eh? Yeah, and they don't, yeah. They don't even have um, noise cancellation. But I just find them super comfortable. And uh, as someone who primarily uses Android devices... Pairing yeah. the Surface Buds actually isn't that bad because most of the time when I set up a new Android device, I can pair them using the Android Fast Pair system, which yeah. is usually pretty seamless. It's not perfect and it has some issues and I've definitely had it bug out like crazy before. The worst is transitioning them between like an Android device and a Windows PC, which is surprising because it's a Microsoft product. So you think that they would be designed to work well with Windows. And there's like an app and everything, but the pairing process is not great um, in my experience. So yeah, like having something that easily switches between all of your devices is definitely a welcome feature in my book. Yeah, this is kind of like a bit of a tangent. I won't take us down, but I just want to mention it. But it was something I, I kind of noticed yesterday. I was writing about just like a spec to spec sort of comparison between the iPhone 13 and 13 Pro and the Pixel 6 and Pixel 6 Pro. And it sort of was like, okay, like, yeah, they're matched here. They're matched here. Telephoto camera, telephoto camera, you know, 120 hertz pro motion, 120 hertz adaptive refresh. Like, you know, the specs match all the way down where it really is differentiating themselves. It's like Google has all these really crazy fun features and Apple has the ecosystem, you know, kind of like what we're talking about the AirPods. And it's, you know, that convenience is, it can be like, oh, so nice, so nice. But without getting too Part much of why I'm locked yeah, into it. Yeah, exactly. It's like kind of locks you in once you start to get more and more devices. Um, the only, I don't know, is there anything else for AirPods? Anything else? Anyone? No, I just didn't know. Oh, the skin sensor. It. Skin oh, sensor yeah, is supposed to be better uh, just because that's kind of like a weird thing. And I was had questions about it when they brought it up in the briefing. But like, 
essentially the old AirPods use an optical sensor, which I guess is some sort of camera that can tell when something is blocking them and not blocking them to do the auto pause feature. Um, but Apple said that would get confused if you, you know, had it in your palm or in a pocket or something. So these new ones have an actual skin sensor. Uh, so the auto pause should be more consistent. Um, oh, also, I guess head tracking. So this is a small one, and I, I shouldn't go on to it too much, but when in spatial audio first launched, it was just static 3D space. So you were sitting here listening to music. The you know back music would be there. If you turned, the back music would be there. If you turned, the back music would be there. Like it would be in a, a 3D space that was like anchored to your head. Um, and Apple didn't put head tracking in. Now they've added head tracking with AirPods Max and AirPods Pro and the new AirPods. And I was testing it out last night with AirPods Max. I don't have the new AirPods to test yet, but um, it's subtle. It's nice. It, it's spatial audio was, you know, I think it's getting better. The new James Blake album sounds pretty cool with it. Um, and yeah, the head tracking part where it's like now, you know, the music comes from your phone. So if you turn, it kind of like puts more of this headphone to make it seem like there's more sound coming from that direction. It's a really subtle feature. And one thing that Apple is pushing a lot with the new AirPods I don't think it's something that's a system seller. I don't think it's something that anyone should be into enough to like, if you already have AirPods, you should buy it to get this. But it was a subtle improvement. And I think it's like a fun thing that kind of like anchors this like digital music listening into the real world space in like a subtle way. And I like it. It's hard to explain. It's kind of abstract, but it's feels very natural. It's cool. Real quick, before we hit the ad break and move on to the the Pixel stuff, was there anything else from the event, Bennett, that was the notable or worth mentioning? I know it was like primarily focused on the Pro and the AirPods. The only other thing we have on the notes is the Apple Music Voice plan, which is basically $5 a month, uh, but you can only use Siri to play Apple Music. Um, so, you know, when you have like Spotify free and it's like yep. you basically just get access to all these like mood playlists. Um, like, you know, I'm in a, I'm in an energetic mood. So listen to the energetic playlist or I'm in a country mood. Listen to the country playlist. You can't choose the specific songs. Apple makes you pay for that, but you can choose the specific songs if you want, if you ask for them through voice, but the way they're anticipating people is using it is like those free tiers where they're kind of just asking okay. Siri to play moods, play country, play this, you know, play the new Drake, play this. Um, you could ask it to play a specific song if you wanted, but they're sort of anticipating it for people who just worry about it less i mean my mom it's is cheaper like the, too I, right yeah it's five bucks a month five, five my mom is like the person who would use this she has spotify and like i mean they'll use it on their phones because i guess they got to use spotify in your car and like things like that if you go on road trips whatever um but at home they just have a google home and they literally just say like hey google play country music and that's like the only command that poor google home gets it's just like hey google play country music and that's all they ever say to it they don't ask you the weather they don't ask you to set timers it is a radio to them and it plays country music and that's enough. So that's how my dad uses uh, the, I think it's like the echo, the clock, the one that's shaped like a clock or whatever. I gave it to yeah, him a couple no years way. ago. That's, that's exactly sick. how he uses it. <laughs> that's nice. that's um, how my parents use their, their Google home device. For music as well. too? Okay. Basically so just uh, play music and what's the weather. Those are the only two commands that they like ever give it. Yeah. Interesting. Cool. So let's uh, let's hit the ad break and then uh, talk about Pixel stuff. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So, uh, there was also a Pixel event this week right after the Apple event, um, which, like, we, we had a Samsung event today. There's going to be a Huawei one before. Briefly mentioned this at the, off the top. It's a, it's a crazy week in terms of, like, the tech world. Like, I've, I've never seen this before. I haven't been doing this forever, but I've been doing it for a while, and this is, this is unprecedented. Um, but in terms of the Pixel 6, we knew that the phones existed. We've seen thousands of leaks. We've seen thousands of, not thousands, but, like, dozens of teasers from Google. Um, but we did get the pricing and a couple other things confirmed about the phone. So the Pixel 6 starts at $799. The 6 Pro starts at $1,179. I think these are pretty competitive prices, especially in the context of Canada for a high-end phone. Uh, yeah. Some of the notable things, there's the the Tensor chip, a new design that like even has me, someone who is primarily an iPhone user at this point, thinking about picking up a Pixel. There's like camera features like Magic Eraser, Real Tone. And I guess I should also mention that like if our traffic stats are an indication of how into a device people are, which to some extent they are, People are super, super hyped and super into the Pixel 6. But I guess what we should start with is, John, could you give us like a high level, I guess, kind of overview of the key things that people should care about in the context of the Pixel 6 and the Pixel 6 Pro? Yeah, for sure. So I'm going to start off with some of the key differences. Uh, Google kind of positioned the Pixel 6 as having a little bit of everything and just being a general great phone for someone who maybe <coughs> isn't super into the tech world, uh, but, you know, is wants a phone that has a lot of cool features. Um, whereas the Pixel 6 Pro is like the ultimate phone for the nerds out there. It's got like the best of the best. It's, you know, all of the top of the line features. Um, and those are kind of the two ways that Google has positioned those phones. Um, the main differences uh, between the six and the six pro is the six pro has a larger screen uh, with 120 Hertz refresh rate compared to 90 Hertz on the six. And it's uh, curved on the edges, whereas the six is not uh, for the camera. The six pro has three cameras. Um, one of them being the telephoto lens, which the six does not have everything else with the camera is the same between the two phones, um, which is the 50, the new mega, uh, the, sorry, the new 50 megapixel primary sensor and the 12 megapixel ultra wide uh, battery. The six pro is slightly bigger at, I think it's 5,000 milliamp hours compared to 4,600 on the six. And then the colors are different as well. Uh, personally, I think the six has the better color options with the, the sort of seafoam green, that one's uh, sick. The, the like peach pink color, which I don't remember the name of. Uh, coral something? Coral Almost something. Peach or something. <laughs> yeah, something Slightly like that. Slightly peach. Kind of coral, I don't know, <laughs> some some nonsense like that. Whereas the <laughs> the 6 Pro, the, the 6 Pro color names are all funny too, but I don't remember exactly what they are, but it's like, like somewhat yellow. Gray sky color. They always have funny and, names. Uh, like a gold champagne color. Um, so yeah, that's kind of like an overview of the Pixel 6 and the 6 Pro. I think probably the most exciting part of these phones is the custom Google chip, which is called Tensor. Um, and the way that Google has talked about this chip is they put a lot of uh, focus on the kind of 
artificial intelligence slash machine learning aspect, um, which they've kind of baked into the silicon. Uh, and Google says that this is going to allow it to be a lot more power efficient when doing some of the machine learning AI magic that uh, Google has kind of become known for with the pixel camera and stuff like that. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see how much of a difference maker that is. Uh, Google touted that Tensor is a lot more or is a lot better performance than the Pixel 5, but it's not really a huge leap because the Pixel 5 was using a mid-range Snapdragon processor, right? So that's something to keep in mind when it comes to like performance stuff. But as we've seen from several Google phones now, the the company doesn't really seem to need like the highest end, most performant chip on the market in their phones to still create a good experience when it comes to using Android. Yeah. Uh, I, for me, like I've been primarily using the Pixel 4a uh, for the last year and a bit. And I don't notice a huge difference. Like the biggest thing that I miss from uh, like a Pixel 4. Wait, do you go 4a other... or 4a 5g? Uh, I've been using the 4a because I like the size okay, better. Okay. Yeah. Um, the only that. real benefit of the five of the 4a 5g is 5g, but 5g isn't real in Canada. Uh, so we can unpack that another time, but <laughs> it's real. Just yeah. not in this. Yeah. No, it's not for you. It's real you're in that yeah. you, the, the icon that you see on your phone says that you're connected to 5g, but as soon as you actually like look at what network band you're using, it's almost always 4g. And if it is an actual 5G band, uh, it's like 4G speed. So yes, yeah, definitely my experience out here. That's that's the long and short version of it. If you want to know more, like I wrote a how-to or not a how-to, like a guide explaining what the different 5G terms mean. Go read that because it does a pretty good job of breaking down what 5G in Canada actually is right now. So anyway, what with the Pixel Six, like one of the things that interests me as someone who primarily uses an iPhone and has for the last couple of years, like some of the magic of Apple, like you can talk about um, like the hardware and blah, 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 blah. But I think really the key thing that makes the iPhone such an appealing device is how reliable it is. And part of that comes from the synergy of like Apple makes the chip, Apple makes the software, combine them together and there's just like, it's like a really good experience in terms of reliability and performance. With the Pixel 6, it sounds like to some extent, Google's trying to do that. Like they're making their own chip. I know that Android's obviously available to a bazillion smartphone manufacturers, but like the kind of fork of it that's available on the Pixel is a little bit different than like, say, Oh, it's Samsung a lot different or, now. So much. Yeah. Is it, is it a like lot a, different now? Okay. So, way yeah, different. I, they're all. I'm, I'm still on the right track here. Zones. Yeah. Is, is there some truth to that? Like, is that what Google's trying to do with this? Because to me, from the outside, that's what it feels like. Yeah, I would say there's definitely a, a level of that. One of the things that Google has kind of uh, touted with the, the Pixel 6 and 6 Pro is that Tensor is going to enable them to have better software support. Um, and frustratingly, I'm going to write about this later today. I haven't had a chance to yet. The Pixel 6 and 6 Pro support will, will get up to five years of security updates, which is an improvement over past Pixels, but they're still only getting three years of OS updates. So what that means is you're going to get, if you buy a Pixel 6, you're going to get Android 13, 14, and 15. 
and that's starting on Android 12 as well. Just yeah, you're starting on Android 12. Yeah, right. Um, So those are your three major OS updates. And then you're going to get another two years beyond that of just security updates. If you which sorry to cut you off, but if we were to compare that directly with Apple, what's that typically five years? So yeah, I would say Apple. I'll try and search what they're at. You guys keep talking about. I think so, it's like five, roughly, because that's like another advantage yeah. of the Apple ecosystem is like they always find a way, even if it's a device that's like a couple years old, to make it run on it. I think it's five years, but I'm not certain. So iOS 15 still supports the iPhone 6s, which came okay, out yeah. in 2016. I want to say before that, definitely before that. Yeah. Uh, before that, 20, 2015, I think early 2015. I, I think the 6s is the They're oldest device on the iOS it 15 is. support list. So okay, well that um, and the SE they came out in the same chipset, but yeah, yeah, 2015 September 2015 was the 6s. Cool. Yeah. But yeah. Sorry so to cut you go. off, John. Continue. Um. So the kind of word on on the tech street is that Qualcomm does not support their chips for a very long time with drivers, which are a, an important huh. piece of the puzzle. So kind of, and I haven't seen this kind of said officially anywhere, but kind of the word on the street is that. Google wanted to increase the num- the amount of support or the number of years of support that they could offer to their phones, but Qualcomm wasn't supporting the chips that long. And so without Qualcomm supporting the chips long enough, Google was kind of, you know, we can't do that. So part of the benefit of doing their own in-house chip is that they now have more control over the software support, which to me makes it that much more frustrating that the Pixel 6 is still only going to have three years of OS updates. Five years of security updates is good. Like that's uh, an improvement. Um, And I'm happy that that's there because that means if you keep your phone and you take care of your Pixel 6, it's going to last five years without any sort of issue, right? But not getting the latest OS upgrades is definitely a bit of uh, a downside. And the thing is, Apple doesn't do the split operating system updates where they do security updates and OS updates, everything is all together, right? Yep. And you might not get some new features that are only supported by newer hardware on older phones, but you're still getting the full uh, iOS update. So just a little bit of a bummer there. Um, But I'm hoping that, you know, pushback from customers will kind of get Google to go further with the Pixel 6 than what it has promised. We so might Bennett, see that extend, sorry, I was going to say we might see that extend. Yeah, you know, once they get like a, a larger, you know, three or four tensor yeah. chips down the chain, maybe they'll start to be able to push that further. But yeah, you're right. At the time being, like, yeah, we're like, oh, tensor, we're going to get five years of updates, and then like five years of security updates. It's like, oh, that's okay, but not what I wanted. <laughs> I guess the other part of it is to play devil's advocate with myself a little bit. Um, Google has said that with tensor um, building they've built a lot of the AI and ML uh, functionality into the chip, uh, which is, which basically means that a lot of the new features that you're going to see on the pixel six that are like kind of software based actually do rely on the tensor chip and aren't going to come to uh, older pixels. So for example, Google talked about um, some of the like camera Erase stuff. me, motion mode, the faster transcription. Stuff well, like just that. like image processing in general is kind of built into the ISP in a way that makes it a lot more efficient. 
but it also means that they can't bring those newer, more efficient models and more powerful models to older pixels because it won't run on those other chips. They're designed all around Tensor. So with that in mind, theoretically going forward, if Google designs all kinds of crazy new AI ML experiences for the four pixel phones, those might not run on earlier Tensor hardware. I never even thought of that. Yeah. Especially like if they're building that stuff into the chip, right? Huh. Yeah. How specific? Which could explain the three years of, of OS upgrades, but I'm I'm kind of just speculating at this point. So I wouldn't so don't don't take as, that as truth. There's probably a point of like just as the final slice of the pie, there's probably just a point where it's like, you know, how long do consumers actually use their phone? What's the average support? I think I think it's probably like years. probably three years. Yeah. Some people maybe a little more, but I think roughly speaking it's three years. But speaking of features Bennett, was there anything from the presentation that like really stood out to you? Like Magic Eraser seemed really cool to me. Um, yeah, real tone, the, the just the uh, like concept of a camera sensor and camera technology being designed to take pictures of more than just white people that look like me. Um, that's like a huge issue with cameras and it has been forever. So it's yeah. cool to see a company actually tackling that and taking it seriously. Was there anything that stood out to you? No, I mean, you're right. Real tone is probably the thing that I'm like the most excited to see. And like, I, I hope it like impacts and like influences change amongst like the rest of the market in camera space. We'll see. That would be cool. Um, but I really hope it does. Um, but I like on top of that, yeah, mostly just the camera stuff. I mean, I guess that's kind of what I'm into. But the motion mode, uh, just more recently, I've been getting into like long exposure photography or just trying it out in different ways, you know, bringing my tripod out, trying to get like those classic light trails of cars and just getting stuff like that. So, seeing google like come on now having a better understanding for how like how hard that is and like how much gear is involved not that it's much but you you know you need a tripod you gotta have this you gotta be steady you gotta hit the shutter sit there for a second sit there for two seconds sit there for six seconds sit there for you know like however long you want to do your thing the fact that google has sort of like built that into a snap that you just like hit and i'm assuming will like probably take the picture in a second or two in the same way that like a night mode photo does where it's like you just hold it in your hand pretty cool and like you know, there's like subway shots and like the, the one they showed up the Ferris wheel moving. It's like, they that one is the, cool. yeah, exactly. Cause the picture you're looked at and you're like, that's a pretty cool picture. How does it get better? And then it's like, Ooh, and you're like, Oh my God, that's actually so much cooler. So, uh, I'm excited to hopefully get my hands on those and test them out at some point. But yeah, the tensor stuff didn't excite me as like, I'm more excited by what tensor represents for Google moving forward than what it actually like brought to the phone. You know, I, the dictation, I'm like interested. I mean, hopefully if dictation keeps getting better and better, I guess maybe we'll get to a point in the world where we're using a lot more dictation, which could be cool. And, um, you know, some of the other like machine learning stuff with the like auto call, hearing the options and like letting you choose the option to go through a, um, a call screen. Is that the right word reason for that? Yeah. Call screen so or a call center situation. That's an expansion on an existing feature. Mm -hmm. Um, cause Google already has hold for me on pixels where it will just wait on hold for you and let you know when a real person comes back. So they've kind of expanded on that, which is really neat. Mm -hmm. Do we know if that feature is coming to Canada right away or if that's what, what the deal is with that? Cause I know hold for me did not come to Canada. At I think launch. we reached, came, we reached like, out about it, but we, we haven't heard back yet. Okay. Um, yeah. I'm not, I don't I have no idea, but, um, but you kind of what I'm saying is like, those things didn't excite me as much as the cameras. You know, I don't know. The one thing that actually, like, 
with Superman. I don't know if you guys felt this way, but the super zoom they showed off, like we've got 40 times super zoom or whatever their hybrid zoom is. And they showed it off on stage and it looked terrible. They like zoom in on this hiker or this rock climber. And it's like, okay, there's a picture from the ultra wide picture from the regular camera, regular zoom. Okay, now they've zoomed into the point where he looks like a smudge, like a red streak just, on the rock. Why it reminded me of the, showing that off. The S20s zoom. Yeah, right? exactly. Which Samsung yeah. backpedaled on. Like the S21, I reviewed that this year. The 10 times zoom, the optical 10 times, it was like, it was yeah. incredible. Like it, it's one of the best zooms I've ever seen on a smartphone camera, and I found it extremely useful. But for mm-hmm. me, like, and I know this isn't how like the average smartphone user thinks because they i don't even know if anyone truly knows the difference between digital and optical like the average person who's using a smartphone who just like takes the camera and snaps a picture but like i don't care about zoom unless it's optical because i know it's not gonna look good yeah Mm. i'm with you i hate that you said you preface that with the average person doesn't care which is like you're very true so i guess we shouldn't talk about that too much but yeah that's like for me yeah it's not optical it's it's the same thing as like (laughs) a lot of people have have issues with not a lot of people but some people have issues with the way that apple handles its smartphone cameras right like there's no manual mode where you can select iso and shutter speed and all that stuff and you can get apps of course that allow you to do that but i i just don't think that the person the average human who is buying an iphone gives a crap about that they just want to like point and shoot and take a picture sure apple could offer it but i like I understand the other side of the spectrum where like it's not worth the effort for them, especially when third party app people or app developers are like making that that happen on their own. Yeah, it's that's the same thing with the the Pixel uh, Pro, um, sorry, the Pixel 6 and 6 Pro. There's it's all automatic. There's not like a manual mode or anything like that, which, you know, just like you said, I. I think a lot of tech journalists are going to complain about it. But yeah. as soon as you step out of the tech journalist bubble, it's not something that matters. Um, yeah. Even for um, me, as someone who is a tech journalist, I have never used a manual mode on a phone. And I would never. I, I never, have I've, no desire. If I'm going to go through the effort of tweaking ISO exactly, and shutter speed yeah. and all that stuff, I'm going to go pick up my actual DSLR and take a good yes. picture. Yep. Same with me. Yeah. If I'm using my phone camera, it's because I need a camera and I need it fast. And so I just want something that I can take out of my pocket and I take the picture and I know it's going to be good. And that's why I love the Pixel cameras. I've loved all of the Pixel cameras so far and I'm really excited for the Pixel 6 camera because that's what the Pixel 6, Pixel, sorry, not Pixel 6, just Pixel in general, their cameras have excelled at, I need to take a photo and I need to take it now and it needs to be good. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I will say is I don't think everything is automatic in the new camera. I think that like fixing blurry, jumpy kids seems like an automatic thing. Um, yeah. I don't know if that motion blur one is automatic or if that's a mode you need to turn on in the way you would turn on like that yeah. mode and that kind of stuff. They, they, they yeah. were calling that one specifically motion mode. I think that might be its own thing. To clarify by automatic, I mean like I don't have to mess with ISO or shutter yeah, speed. You don't or have to know like the triangle. Yeah, for sure. So real like, quick. Um, uh, before before we wrap it up, I just wanted to throw one final question to both of you. If you're going to go out and buy, like John, I know you're handling our Pixel 6 review. I guess I should mention this. John's doing our Pixel 6 review. Dean's going to be doing our Pixel 6 Pro review. Bennett's doing the third gen AirPods and I'll be handling the MacBook. And 
all of these reviews, like you'll see them on the site next week. Can't tell you specifically when, but it's going to be, if, if it all works out pretty much at the same time. Um, but the question I was going to ask you guys, like if you were going to go out and buy a pixel and this was like the phone that you decided you were going to buy for the year, it's like you taking your tech tech blogger hat off, you're getting a phone that you're going to hang on to for the next couple of years. Would you pick the Pixel 6? Oh, good. You took it off. Perfect. Yeah. Would you pick the Pixel 6 or would you pick the Pixel 6 Pro? Like, is there enough of a difference in the 6 Pro to warrant that? Like, when, when I sit back and when I look at them now, I honestly think that I would probably go with the Pixel 6 if only because I find, I think it's 6.7 inches, right? Uh, the Pro 6 Pro is, is 6.7 inches, 6.7. and the 6 is 6.4 inches. Which is the same as the iPhone 13 Pro Max, which I recently like decided I'm not going to... I do not like smartphones that size anymore. They hurt my hands, <laughs> and I don't want to yeah. use a big phone. That's one reason, but also just like there doesn't seem to be enough that it offers over the Pixel 6. Like uh, 90 hertz is the display, right? Like that's that's enough for, mm. for my purposes. I guess what I want to know is like, what do you guys think? Like... Which one would you buy? Um, if I were going to buy a Pixel 6 this year, uh, you know, not like tech blogger hat off. I'm not actually taking my hat off because my hair's a mess. Um, I didn't take mine off. I'm going to get mine cut right after this. Theoretical uh, tech blogger hat. I would buy the Pixel 6, like no question. Um, the 6 Pro offers nothing that I need and nothing that I want with the ex- exception of the telephoto camera lens. I think it's criminal that Google did not put the telephoto lens in both phones and save the ultra wide for the pro because ultra wide is useless. Don't give me that. Yeah. Just give I'm me a, a telephoto I'm go- lens. I'm going pro for literally I'm the opposite side. So well, the same reason, but I'm, I'm leaning towards the pro. I would get the pro because I don't want a phone without a telephoto. I find that's the lens I almost use the most on my phone camera. Me too. I don't want one without it. Like I'm always um, seeing pictures of shit that's across the street, you know, like it's always like a one street just like, Oh, what's that snap? It's never like right in front of me, you know, like every once in a while it is, but it's always something that's like a street distance away. And that telephoto just reaches that. And that's that's part of why I always go with the, whatever the pro iPhone is, is because it's the one that has the the zoom, right. And the, the standard one just has the, the ultra wide, unless I'm confusing it in my very tired brain. Um, no, you're right. that, that, no, no, that's, typically- that's, that's correct. Typically why I go with the pro in, the, in that context too. Yeah. Um, but other other than the telephoto lens, the Pixel 6 is basically better for me in every way. Like on paper, obviously the 6 Pro is the better phone, but I don't like huge phones. And I think the Pixel 6, I will wait until I have my hands on it uh, to see. But I already think the Pixel 6 is going to be too big for me because that 6.4 inch screen is bigger than the 4XL screen. And I already thought the, the 4XL iPhone? was like too large. Um, yeah, I think the iPhone 6.3. Um, looking at it up, yeah, it's, talking. A, it's a big phone. The Pixel 6 colors, way better color options on the Pixel 6. Uh, the price can't be 800 bucks in Canada for Pixel 6. Yeah. That's, you get that's a lot like of a really solid for price. that price. A lot of um, phone. Yeah, a lot of phone. So yeah, iPhone 13, the, the 6. thing that 1. would seal the deal for me would be the telephoto 6. lens 1. if that was What's on the, the Pixel max? 6. But. Yeah, that's true. That's yeah. a good point, John. Um, to answer your question, Bennett, iPhone uh, 13 Pro Max is 6.7, which is the same as the Pixel 6 Pro, I believe. And then the oh, okay. the standard iPhone 13 and the iPhone 13 Pro are 
which I have definitively decided is the best size for a smartphone in my personal taste. Now, like I love that size. I have no idea why I put myself through using the Max. Um, but yeah, we've, we've gone a little bit over. Uh, is there anything either of you want to mention before we wrap this up regarding the Pixel 6 series? Um, the one thing that I will say really quickly is based on some carrier math that I've done, it looks like the best way to go if you want to get the Pixel 6 or 6 Pro uh, at a Canadian carrier is Freedom Mobile with the exception of those who live in Alberta or BC that also happen to be Shaw internet customers. If you're in that small segment of Canadians, Shaw mobile is actually a better deal than freedom mobile. Um, but based on my calculations, freedom mobile is the only carrier that like lets you get the pixel six or six pro for cheaper than it would be if you were to buy it from Google directly. Um, every other carrier, you're either going to pay about the same as you would if you bought it from Google, or you're actually going to pay more. Uh, so that's a little fun fact for you Pixel 6 shoppers out there. We have all the pricing on the site too. Like I know there's some carriers that haven't revealed it yet. It'll be added when it comes out. Um, what's missing? Rogers still? Nope. Uh, Bell, um, Bell. But I don't think Bell is going to release their pricing because the they have like a page on their website now that basically just says yeah. the pixel six will be available October 28th. And that's, we it. got a lot of, when I woke up, I always check the mobile SERP Twitter in the morning just to see if there's any like reader, reader tips and whatnot. And there's a lot of people asking for, for Bell's pixel six pricing. So uh, hopefully they release it ahead of um, when the phone drops. Yeah. Uh, it's what Bell has put out is in the, uh, our pricing breakdown article right now, which is no pricing, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, Virgin plus, which is Bell's offshoot brand. If you go to their website and go to their devices page and filter by Google devices, it's just blank. There's nothing there. Um, same with Videotron, And then the only other two carriers that I can think of off the top of my head that I haven't found pixel pricing for yet are Eastlink and Sasktel. Um, and the, neither of them even have Google devices on their website That's as far as I can tell. So I don't know if they'll ever get Pixel 6 pricing. Bennett, what but about we'll you? Any we'll final, keep an eye on it. Any final thoughts? Um, I mean, I want one. But okay, here's actually my final thought. Regardless of the Pixel 6, I think I'm still more excited about Android 12 than I am about the Pixel 6 hardware that was showing off. I think Android 12 is still more exciting to me, the new design and the sort of where that is going than what Google showed off with Android or Pixel 6. I mean, I am excited about the Tensor stuff. Don't get me wrong. Like where that leads, if you know, it's putting Google on the path to become a more like uh, full stack owning everything like Apple does. I want to see that happen just because I want to see the Titans really go at it, even though I know that's probably not great for the world. But uh, on top of that, Android 12 looks sick. Pretty happy with it. You know, if I don't end up with a Pixel 6 and I stick with my 4A 5G with Android 12 for another year, I don't think I'll be too upset. That's what I'd stay with. Cool. Um, I think that's a good place to wrap it up. Next week, well, I don't know if it'll be next week. I think I think the week after. I know we, we skipped a week. We wanted to have an episode this week. We're a bi-weekly podcast. Um, I think the next episode will likely be focused on maybe exclusively the Pixel 6 reviews, John and Dean's reviews. Um, that's what I kind of have in my head right now. We'll see how, how that goes. Maybe I'll talk about the MacBook Pro very briefly, but I think um, 
I, I think the Pixel Six is definitely a, a bigger deal. At least maybe in the maybe we'll squeeze a certain yeah. dual screen phone in there. Oh yeah, the Surface. Yeah, forgot about that like, too. Maybe we'll just have like things. a <laughs> review a review episode. I don't know. We'll we'll, we'll figure it out. But we will have an episode in in two weeks. I know we skipped a week, but that's it. Thanks for listening to the Syrupcast. You can find me on Twitter at, at Patrick underscore Rourke and of course on mobilesyrup.com. I got a ton of stuff coming over the next couple of days. I've been playing a certain real-time strategy game that I'm pretty hyped about and can't mention what it is, but I'll have something about that on the site next week as well, along with something related to Apple's new MacBooks. Uh, Bennett, where can people find you? You can find me anywhere at the Bradfad on mobilesurf.com, mobilesurf YouTube channel, and I will have something with the AirPods coming up. I've got um, Surface Go 3, the pipeline. I'm trying to get something working on the Polestar 2 at the end of the month. I'm going to have that for a few days. I've got a cool action camera that I may or may not have shown right here on screen earlier, unclear, um, and a few other things. I'm trying to think what else I've got coming up. I have something... I can't remember what it is, so we'll have to wait and find out. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Um, and John, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter uh, at John underscore Lamont, and that's J-O-N underscore L-A-M-O-N-T. And of course, on the website, mobilesyrup.com, where I will have and many interesting things in the next yeah, few you days. Yeah, you got a lot going on in a yeah. very short period of time. It's an interesting yeah. uh, two weeks for us here in, in Mobile Syrup land. That's... At, at least one of the things that I've written about is visible on in my camera feed right now. If you're watching the video cast, um, <laughs> I'm not going to point to it, but if you spot it, let us know in the comments. It's like uh, it's like Phil Spencer doing a, taking a photo in the background. Yeah, we, it's we it's not subtle. It <laughs> and as always, you can find all of our content on mobileserve.com and also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at at mobileserve. Thanks for listening and watching. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.